Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, The Cruel Elaborate Trick. I'm joined by return guest, fellow teacher, and MCU fan Rob Carrera in a discussion about Loki Episode 1, Glorious Purpose. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am joined by longtime friend of the podcast, return guest, Rob Carrera. Rob, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. Honestly, I just, I hope you know, I, I really, truly love being on the podcast. I love our discussions. I love our analysis. And I love just the entire franchise. So it's kind of win, win, win all across the board. And you do such an incredible job. So thank you again for having me back. Thank you. And I, I like to invite you on the podcast because you're always full of so many very sweet compliments. So it's uh it's win-win indeed. Now that I've done <laughs> now that I've done that, I'll see. You. Okay, cool. This was great. <laughs> well, Rob, listeners who have been with There Was an Idea from the beginning will recognize you. You were, of course, my Captain America Winter Soldier guest on the mm-hmm. second ever episode of the podcast. Uh back when we were in the middle of 2020. No new Mm -hmm. MCU content for a while, and I was starting this podcast project doing analysis and reflection on the movies that had come out so far, the Infinity Infinity Saga, if you will, phases one through three of the MCU, And, uh, and you later joined me to talk a little bit about Infinity War and Endgame as well, but it's been a while since we have heard from you, and there are a number of listeners who started tuning into the podcast for my coverage of the new MCU content, which has so far included the... Disney Plus shows. So first, why don't you just remind us and tell us uh, about your relationship to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Thank you, Tara. Frankly, you're making me sound either very famous or like someone that we had in the in the original show. It's almost like I'm a special guest appearance coming back after the show has. That's a how it cast. feels. It's how it feels. That's how it feels. No, but you're so right, and it's just so great to reflect on that. That in the beginning of your show. It was like kind of reflecting on what had already been done, the movies. And then you had that amazing transition to the brand new stuff. So again, kudos to you. The show is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. For me. Yeah, absolutely. For me, you have been asking me forever to get into the shows. I sure and, have. <laughs> you know, with my personal stuff and trying to become Dr. C, it just, I never found the moment. But when you told me that they were doing a Loki show, I was all in. I couldn't have been more in, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But again, my experience is I've seen all of the movies, except as we just discussed Spider-Man Far From Home, which, you know, kind of, as you were saying, does kind of feel just more of like an epilogue, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not really phase four yet. But with all of that movie experience, I guess, and how much I've uh, really immersed myself in their culture, maybe it was me just being very hesitant to like, you know, just buy into like, oh, well, now they're just doing it as shows. I don't know if they're really going to be able to do that with due diligence and fidelity like they did with the movies. Is it going to be cheapened? And boy, let me tell you, I am so wrong. (laughs) After watching Loki, man, I can't remember loving a pilot just just from the get-go. It's just how quickly, especially if you are a Marvel fan, that they immediately reimmerse you in the universe. Yeah. And just such clever story writing. And even if you're not a fan, 
and maybe are just you have Disney Plus, right? And you're looking at, oh, Marvel's big. Let me just watch it. Even from that point of view, I spoke to a friend who said, wow, I didn't realize how you know funny Loki is as a character and how great he is. So really, again, it just shows that Marvel alongside now with Disney are just doing an incredible job with the content that they have and thinking of new ways to re you know to really just make the characters so just well written and just so rich that you frankly as soon as i finished the episode i was like oh i got to wait another week now <laughs> and that's what you want out of a show it's kind of like for us the nostalgia of the old days right before streaming we had to go week in week out on those cliffhangers and that's exactly what they do here, as I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about. So that's really my experience. And again, I should always know Tara's always right. <laughs> I am going to start watching the shows now. Once I'm done with Loki, I will go back and I'll watch and order WandaVision and the you know the the Winter Show uh, Soldier uh, show, the new Captain America, and that'll be so exciting. But I'm so glad you uh, got me into Loki, and I can't wait to talk about it more today. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I agree with so much of what you're saying about how the, this pilot really uh, expertly immersed audiences back into the mm -hmm. world of Loki. And I'm really excited to talk more about that. And I, I'm really glad that you're having this experience of getting into like into the show and feeling like, oh man, now I have to wait a week because that is definitely what uh, what I was feeling when WandaVision began and mm -hmm, uh, talking mm -hmm. to other people in, in the podcast space about what it, what it was like to kind of reflect on the latest episode each week and talk about it on the podcast and then have that anticipation and have that those conversations with people. I'm really curious to hear your perspective once you do watch WandaVision and, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier to hear what, it, what those shows were like in the in more of the binge mode. Uh, having watched yeah. them for the first time. So that'd be interesting. And I'm excited just in general mm -hmm. about your your perspective because your relationship to, and not to speak too much for you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but- Please speak away. You're doing an incredible <laughs> the, job. You're doing um, a much better job than I am. The way that you explained like your relationship to that first set of movies that, that really culminated mm -hmm. in Endgame, right? That was the Infinity Saga. It really culminated mm -hmm. in Endgame. Yep. And that was something really kind of special and contained for you. And I can imagine that for many fans that felt like a- a special contained experience and is anything ever going to, going to surpass that or match that and, and maybe being content to be like, okay, for me, the story kind of ends with Endgame, Uh, but then to hear that this is something that grabbed you to bring you back in is really interesting. When my friends and I were discussing watching a show yeah. or watching the Marvel shows, I had a friend say, you know, I had the same hesitance because uh, similarly with Star Wars, you mm -hmm. know, when Star Wars got bought by Disney, and then they were going to extend it. He was like, you know, I, I just feel like that's just money. You know, just they're just marketing. They just want to make more money. But they did an incredible job with that. And not to plug the show, it's not like I'm making money off of it. But for <laughs> instance, even The Mandalorian oh, yeah. and the show that they do with that is so incredible. And similarly here, so far, obviously only one one episode in to the to the first show that I actually am watching of the Marvel universe as a tv series you can kind of already tell that this is not just something that they're pushing out that they're very proud of this and that they want this to be successful and add to that culture and richness of all the storylines that they in the past movies worked so hard on you know yeah absolutely that it's both bold new directions deeper looks at certain characters who we originally got to know in some of the movies and are now spending more time with, but also it's part of that larger tapestry. And, and what makes these shows different than, let's say, 
the Jessica Jones, Luke Cage shows on Netflix or mm-hmm. the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show or the Agent Carter show mm-hmm. is is that they have the executive producer, Kevin Feige, and they have that team behind it yeah. plotting out the future of phase four and considering these shows as integral to that to that tapestry, mm-hmm. which is the word that Absolutely. I always come back to. I, I think that word started with- That's um, a great word. Yeah, I, I like think that, that was my friend, Megan. I want to credit that to to Megan, uh, who was a guest on, on one of my early episodes. And, and ever since she said it, it just has stuck in my head. Now, I, I'm so excited to hear that you enjoyed the premiere episode of Loki, but I do have another question kind of before we get into- that episode itself hit me what was your take on loki's character before this premiere of the new i'm so glad you asked because i even think i heard you at work i maybe i misheard you but i thought at one point i heard you in the week leading up to it that you rewatched either it was avengers or it could have been infinity war some one of the movies one of the thor movies perhaps and i'm glad you said that because i did the same and you know i maybe i'm just a lover of hot takes (laughs) <laughs> because I even think you asked me on the previous podcast, who is your favorite character or, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I didn't even think of was Loki, but you know what? Not only is he my favorite, perhaps in terms of his character development and how he, uh, you know, emerges in the story. I think he's maybe the most important if you really think about it. And can I just speak to that? Or would you rather wait? No, that'd be I, great. I did jot some notes down. So again, if you're just looking strictly at the movies, for instance, right? So immediately in, uh, you know, in Thor, he leads the frost giants into, you know, uh, to, to, to the vault to steal the Tesseract before obviously crossing them and then becoming a hero. But that obviously leads to a lot of tension with the, you know, with Odin and Thor and the family. And that kind of then leads, you know, Thor on a different path, you know, but obviously a really inf- a pivotal informative experience. And then obviously we know Loki is technically not Odin's son, you know, by birth, you know, not biologically. So that, that's so important. Then in the Avengers, he's literally leading the Chikari invasion on Earth, right? Because he's being promised this kingship by Thanos. And that's really one of the first times we get, a, you know, really just get uh, exposed to that Thanos character as someone who's going to be a big deal, you know? And I think that's hugely important. So without that, you obviously don't have the rest of the movies right. after the Avengers. And for me, then jumping to Thor Ragnarok, the intro is him pretending to be Odin, right? He's come back and he's pretending to be his father because all of his you know, attempts to be king before that have failed. So he's like, why not just be my father? You know, I'm the god of mischief. Let me just, you know, I'm not here for a long time, but I'm here for a good time type <laughs> of attitude. And he becomes king before Thor comes back, you know, but that in and of itself, you know, was extremely important because then we know Odin um, leading up into Infinity War and et cetera, also then is gone. He is gone from Asgard for so long that obviously that brings back Helena. And then we have the Ragnarok movie. So, again, all of these actions done by Loki have enormous impacts for the story, even though at the time they seem like him just being the God of mischief, Yeah, which I think is so pivotal because that's technically the entire arc you would argue of the show. Again, the TVA, right. That he's now having to deal with in the show is literally the premise that his decisions actually in many ways have been predetermined and allowed by this higher authority up until the point where he steals the Tesseract 
in Infinity War that obviously starts this arc. And I know that's one of the themes you wanted to talk about is kind of identity and choice. So if you think about it, that is just incredible by the writers to do that, where you think Loki is this free spirited, doing whatever he wants, whatever, you know, whenever he wants to do it. Yet now we're being introduced to this TVA authority who literally their existence is maintaining one authoritative timeline, essentially saying that everything Loki has done up until that point has literally been something that has been quote unquote allowed by them. Right, right. Which for him is a complete tearing down of his identity in so many ways. So I don't know if you want to start with that theme or talk about something else first, but that was kind of, again, my reflection on how amazing he is in the movies. And I think, frankly, a lot of that is because of the actual actor. Yes. Tom Hulston is just incredible. He's a, you know, very handsome, but also just a great actor. Yeah. And then that pivoting him to just such a robust character now to have an own TV show about, especially in his role now with, the TVA and dealing with that. So I thought that was so cool. It really is. It really is. Like this character, as you said, has operated as Mm -hmm. perhaps the single most important uh, mover and shaker of the events in the Infinity Saga. And now we're seeing the television show where he is seeing what his role was and that he... Uh, he didn't have as much agency necessarily as as we thought he would. But I think that's an interesting conversation for us to get into as well. It's like, what is the show really saying about agency versus that predetermination? Absolutely. So yeah. I think maybe before we dive into that theme specifically, when we look at this, this episode, episode one of Loki, the premiere, entitled Glorious Purpose, which I love, I think maybe let's just kind of start with some some general first impressions of the, I know you said you, you loved it. Uh, what did you feel about that world that it immersed you in? What stuck out to you? What did you really like about it most? Or was there anything that kind of came as a surprise or maybe subverted some expectations that you had of the character or this show format? I think what I loved the most is that it almost, you really did feel that from that moment where he stole the Tesseract in Infinity War to this, that there was not a beat skipped. You know, you wouldn't have known that it was, you know, two movies ago and X amount of shows ago, two shows now ago at this point. And just the immediate way that he steps back into the role and re-engages you in the universe and his character is amazing. Like he he literally lands in Mongolia in the desert and there's these Mongolians like, who are you? And he's like, I am Loki, right? God and King. And I am burdened with, uh, you know, glorious purpose. And then the time police show up and he's like, hold on. Right. (laughs) Just like that immediate quickness, the laugh, but that he's immediately back into that, you know, egotistical character and that he it's again, it's almost like entitlement, you know, like he feels like he deserves to be King because of his birthright. And that is something that we know, obviously up until that point, uh, because it's 2012 at that point, it's supposed to be the original Avengers movie that he's owed. Right. Right. Um, so I thought that was right off the bat amazing. I do have a lot more to talk about, but I think it hits more at the themes you wanted to discuss. Yeah, so yeah. I'm okay with waiting. If, if yeah, for sure. I like to do kind of that. general general impressions first, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into it. So yeah, it. general impressions, general broad strokes. I was just absolutely just really elated with how I felt like I was just watching Loki again from the movie, right? Yeah. Not a beat was skipped. And that's what you want as a fan. You yeah, know, you become so invested in these characters that you want it to feel organic again, and you want to feel like 
this could have literally happened in the exact timeline that it says it's happening, you know, because again, this is kind of an interjection in the series. And I think they're doing that really well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you know, for me, my initial take on this, I was so excited for the show. I was really excited Mm -hmm. for the other shows. I'm excited for the movies coming out this year. But this one was one that really stood stood out to me because, as you said uh, for yourself, Loki, Loki is also one of my absolute favorite characters, not just in the MCU, but in general. He he is a character who I think is really rich Mm -hmm. and full, portrayed by Tom Hiddleston wonderfully, as you said. Avengers from 2012 and Avengers Endgame are probably my top two MCU films and obviously Infinity War up there too. But Mm -hmm. the fact that we kind of see uh, bits of both Avengers and Avengers Endgame setting the scene for this show, just in its very premise, this is a show that appeals to me on on many levels. So for me, you know, kind of firing up the first episode on Disney Plus for the first time, seeing the title Glorious Purpose, it felt very made for me because uh, the the scene Mm -hmm. in Avengers, when Loki introduces himself and says, you know, the burdened with Glorious Purpose line for the first time, that's my favorite moment of his. I Last week on a bonus episode, I counted down my favorite Loki moments. That's number one for me because it just captures that phrasing, captures so much about his character and how he perceives himself. And I agree with you that the episode did not disappoint. Uh, The character work, the humorous moments, the music, the mm-hmm. set design, and and of course the themes. I'm very excited to see what else is in store in this episode. To what you said uh, about the world feeling, you know, immersive. To me, the the TVA it felt like a rich and detailed world within the MCU that is both consistent with what we already know and love about this larger universe, and also simultaneously unlike what we've seen before. And that's very exciting. And the other thing I have to say to this this premiere episode's credit is that I think it expertly balanced the time travel shenanigans, the the sci-fi <laughs> stuff, right? Like yeah. to, there's a quote from Doctor Who, the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard for some audiences to wrap their head around, but I think it balanced that with the more kind of grounded, immediate stakes of Loki finding himself in, in this bureaucratic nightmare relatable to anybody who's ever been to the DMV, right? Like yeah. he's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <That> <laughs> there's there's aspects of this show that are more grounded and more relatable, the kind of crime procedural part of it. So I think it does a really nice job of balancing those two things. And Absolutely. when we uh I started something in the in my coverage of WandaVision and the Falcon of the Winter Soldier, which is that each week I wanted to state in this episode there was an idea about So what I've been trying to do is kind of identify some symbols, some themes, and and bigger concepts like that that stick out in in each episode. And I think in Loki episode one, Glorious Purpose, there was an idea about a lot of the things we already mentioned that you already mentioned, Rob, freedom of will versus predetermination, choices, destiny. And and of course, there was the idea about identity. And to me, I'm going to kind of call it that that's going to be the central theme of the show, even though there's going to be others, I'm sure, that inter interact with it. But it seems to be about a character who thinks he knows who he is, who has convinced himself of what his role in the world is, thrown into an entirely different context, one a context in which his status as God is meaningless now. And mm-hmm. he's literally and metaphorically stripped of his identity markers, including his fine as guardian leather, right? The garb yeah. has to go. <laughs> 
He's made to question everything he thinks he knows, including whether or not he may actually be a robot, right? Like even some of those little humorous bits, and we've talked about this before, kind of uh, established, you know, the stakes that are here. He's like, wait, what, and what if what if I were a robot, right? It's so silly, but mm-hmm. uh, he's forced to look at his life in a way that in moments it kind of made me reminded me of ghost of christmas past or ghost of christmas yet to come kind of thing it's a wonderful life kind of thing uh he sees his own death he's confronted with the fact that he is not as exceptional as he thinks he is he's not an exception Mm -hmm. to his own ideas about freedom and as an audience we have an established narrative of who loki is and this also gives us a new context for us to see him in so we have hiddleston portraying the consistency in the character so well and we also have, wow, we've never seen Loki in a film that hasn't really uh, centered around his relationship to Thor, right? And this show doesn't have Thor. So we have to really, we're, we're seeing a new perspective, a new context of this character. So um, do you have anything you kind of want to add to those themes or were there any moments that kind of relate to, to those ideas that you wanted to specifically talk more about? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think for me, the two themes were the agency and the identity and the things you were mentioning before identity really are wrapped in agency in broad strokes. Um, And if it's okay, I'll just start talking, I guess, about them, right. About the themes. So for me, I, I was just struck and you're right with those humorous moments. And obviously this isn't religious, but this is a very famous phrase. This is really a coming to Jesus moment for Loki, Mm -hmm. right? Because this is actually the first time as I was watching where I was like, you know, in all the movies, it always seems like Loki has a leg up. He always seems like a step ahead, like a mischievous grin. Like you said, he's stripped of that. This is actually the first time where the the watcher, who essentially in many ways is kind of like the TVA, knows what happens to him because of the movie arcs. And he's faced with that, you know, having to take ownership that actually the death of his mother is his fault, yeah. right? Later on, coming to terms with, maybe not being a villain, maybe being a hero, right? Even if it isn't the traditional sense. And then by dying a martyr, you know? And what's so interesting is that obviously we're, we're at that point told that the TVA obviously is the central timeline. They're making sure there's no variance, you know? And there was that just moment of real like stunned silence where you see the film stop and it just says end of film, And you're right. Loki is just struck with that. Wow. I'm not that exceptional. You know, as much as I like to beat my chest and say, I'm a God and I deserve this and glorious purpose that he dies and he sees it. And he's just before that scene convinced that, you know, by, uh, you know, Mr. Mobius, the agent Mobius. uh, And I'm, I'm, I love that they brought Owen Wilson on. So good. Cool. Fantastic. I think he actually plays a great agent Mobius right now. We'll get into that. I'm sure. But He's convinced that obviously the death of his mother really does happen, right? And that this TVA does exist. So at that point, him seeing his death, he knows that that actually happens, right? And again, it's another crossroads moment for his identity. Knowing now what he knows, what is he going to do? And we're almost kind of like, that's the end of the, the episode where he comes to realization that he can't go back because he knows too much now. And then obviously we're told in terms of identity, we see that there's an identity for him where he is this huge villain, not this mischievous guy who does things wrong. But at the end of the day, you kind of see a silver lining in there that Thor does a real villain, 
where apparently he's the one killing all these time agents and causing all this chaos and all this variance in the timelines. Again, which, as we're told, would then throw the entire world, the multiverse, into chaos, right? And into these different timelines. So I thought that was just incredible, as you had mentioned, that stripping of his identity and that. And again, it's a crossroads for his agency, as you discussed. What are those decisions that he's going to make? What are they going to be? Is he going to develop similarly that we saw him develop in the later movies as actually a hero, right? right? He died as a hero trying to save his brother. Is that still in his DNA? It We don't know because, you know, when you know the ending, he's kind of now emboldened to not repeat it, right? Right. Because he's still kind of in that egotistical selfish phase where he is trying to do things for himself to be king and to be burdened by this glorious purpose. Um, and I think what we see here is that conflict that there is no agency, which is ironic because that was his goal in the first place. That's why he wanted the Tesseract. He has that amazing kind of song of freedom speech yeah. where he says choice breeds regret and essentially remorse, where if you didn't have choice, that wouldn't happen. And frankly, he's right. Mm-hmm. You always kind of hear mantras, you know, don't have any regrets, do what you want to do. But again, those are choices we make where, oh, I, I did this and I wish I didn't. I wish I had done something else. So it's kind of funny that as crazy of an idea as that sounds, he's actually he's absolutely spot on. He's on the money where choice really does breed regret. But again, you'd argue, I think it, we need to make choices to learn and to become better people. And that's what Loki did. He made choices to become a better person. He chose to sacrifice himself for his brother at the end of the at the end of Infinity, or sorry, at that point at the beginning of Infinity right. War. But again, is he going to make those choices again now? We don't know. And I think I know I just laid out a lot, but that's the beauty of yeah. the show. It is engaging all of the uh, all of the viewers, especially those that know the universe, in this kind of reflection. Now, like, wow, what does this now mean for one of the you know incredibly important characters to the whole universe? What does this mean in the tapestry? right? Of the entire universe. And I think that's just why the show is just immediately it grabs the viewer because you want to know now what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're touching on a lot of, a lot of really important things related to Loki's identity story, what they're setting up for his identity story and the arc that he already goes through in this one episode. You touched on the, the mischief, uh, epithet that he has right and i think they make Mm -hmm. it a point in this episode he mentions being the god of mischief many times and there's that part when mobius says like that doesn't really seem all that mischievous to me right Mm -hmm. and and so that is something that you have this this way of referring to yourself that is now being called into question just one of the many aspects of himself that's being called into question the end of the episode when he again repeats the phrase glorious purpose but this time he's kind of you know, he had been crying seeing those images of his mother's death and his death, the scenes in which Odin, you know, says, I love my sons, uh, Thor telling him that he, th- he thinks the world of him, like all of those really emotional scenes. And, and he laughs and scoffs a glorious purpose, right? So he's kind of seeing uh, that, that these terms by which he's kind of defined himself are being subverted on him, Right. And, uh, and right. gives up, right? Like you said, it's that I, it's that I can't go back moment. So what now? Right. And, um, there's a lot, you know, if, if, if I had one little, like, I, I don't even want to say nitpick, but question, uh, about kind of like the acceleration of the episode starting. And this is 2012 Loki who was so ferocious 
in the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie. He was a villainous guy. Right. Like Mobius points out, like that wasn't just a mischief. He's extracting eyes. Mm-hmm. He's killing Coulson. He was in, you know, he, he was enjoying, uh, yeah. it seemed as if he was enjoying causing that pain to the end of the episode where mm-hmm. it, it kind of accelerates pretty fast that now he is more similar to our 2019 Loki who sacri- sacrificed himself for his brother, as you said. And he ha- has those wonderful lines that he says, I don't enjoy hurting people. Yeah. I don't enjoy mm-hmm. it. I do it because I have to, because I've had to, because it's part of the illusion, the cruel elaborate trick uh, line that he had mentioned before. He called out the TVA and said, this is just a cruel elaborate trick. Let me find the exact word, a cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. And Mobius gets it, Mm -hmm. right? That gets what he's saying. He says, you do know yourself. And he says, a villain. Mobius, of course, says, that's not how I see it. And then sets up, you know, what the plot of the show is going to be of this, this uh, variant of Loki having to confront the most villainous version of himself in this multiverse. So it's so, as you use the word rich, it's so intriguing. It's so engaging. And I, I, again, I'm not nitpicking the fact that they kind of accelerated that character growth so quickly because I understand that that's kind of what needed to happen to uh, get us to a place with Loki that that we're understanding where he's at and what the the thrust of the plot of this show is going to be. Um, and I think, you know, what it did was it just kind of meant that in this one episode, you kind of already have an arc uh, of him having that identity realization, as you said, the, the kind of come to Jesus, the, the come to Odin, so to speak. Um, yeah, the come to Odin moment. That's going to be our phrase from <laughs> exactly, now on. Exactly, exactly. Um, so there, there are some That's other great insight. Really well said, Tara. Thank you, thank you. And there, I think there are some other, uh, some other lines and some other moments that also relate to those themes that we are touching on. And and one of them, I, I kind of want to hold off on uh, to talk about as one of the the absolute like kind of favorite standout moments for me. But something else that I wanted to talk about with you that kind of doubles as one of the standout moments that I want to talk about, and that is that is. Um, how the show is approaching time travel and the multiverse. And I think it does that in that animated Miss Minutes video with the talking clock. And I thought that was a really cool device to both kind of give some exposition of like, here's here's how the time travel works. Here's the key terms that you need to know in this, in this TV show. And uh, also kind of served as a kind of fun, um, you're at an amusement park, take your ticket and make sure you have your ticket kind of thing. (laughs) But what did you think about the way they explained time travel and the different timelines? I, uh, I, I almost thought we were watching schoolhouse rock for a second. (laughs) We were looking at how a bill becomes a law, but no, I agree. I actually thought that was amazing because it's almost like here is this incredibly, in-depth, diverse, robust universe that we're trying to create. And let's dumb it down so that a five-year-old could watch it on a screen, right? Like you're saying, like an amusement park type of experience and make it understood. And they do it. And you're still like, wow, they actually did that so well. And for me, literally when I watched that scene, I I stopped the episode and I immediately wrote down all of these questions I had and was just so flabbergasted that in the coming minutes and then by the end of the episode, they had addressed a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's, if you'll indulge me, it's so funny because what I wrote down right away were things that they didn't address, but I'm curious that they'll say, for instance, you know, Dr. Strange as someone that in the entire arc is supposed to be the timekeeper, the time stone, 
what does that even mean, right? Does that mean Great these three question. time gods or timekeepers are just allowing him? Is he immune? Does maybe Doctor Strange know that they exist and that's just a secret that has never been revealed because of the importance of the time stone, right? Um, secondly, with the whole multiverse thing, that and then the episode that you see, you then assume, okay, it has to be one of those timelines that has accidentally emerged that this Loki is from that is the evil one. Because essentially, as kind of what you're saying, Tara, they do accelerate our 2012 Loki in such a quick way because they almost do want you to get to the 2019 Loki because it kind of almost seems like an yeah. angel and devil type of characterization yeah. where the one we're tracking now is the good guy or maybe he is, you know, it's early days in the in the episode, but then, you know, the demon is the other one. Um, and again, that that little French kid in the church points at the devil yeah. photo. And you're like, oh my God, what does that mean? And then Mobius says, it's you, Loki, right? Which is so interesting that it really is that depiction of him at his worst, we're led to believe. Um, and again, for me, other questions I ask, like it's hinting at this whole thing that time is relevant relative. I immediately asked, well, where is this TVA when the Avengers were doing their thing, when they were meddling with the timelines, they clearly must have caused all of these fractures. Then they address it right away. The judge says, we know about the Avengers that they did what they were supposed yeah. to do. What yeah. shouldn't have happened was you stealing the Tesseract. So right away, they addressed that for the viewer, which I thought was obviously, you know, so funny that I immediately asked it and they immediately addressed it. Yeah. One big thing for me too, then is, does that then also stand true for Thanos? Mm. You know, we go on this whole journey with them and all of the hurt and destruction and characters that we lose, you know, in an ideal world, you're like, well, why didn't the TVA just stop this guy from the get-go, right? There must be a bigger story there where he must have been allowed to have done all that for a greater purpose. Again, burdened with glorious right. purpose. There must have been a reason, right? It's the classic phrase, everything happens for a reason. You almost have to assume that that's the case here where the TVA saw obviously everything that's going on and still said this needs to happen in order to get to point X. Or right. again, that the timekeepers saw what was going on and said this is still what needs to happen. Similar to what Dr. Strange did when he went in the future and saw all the timelines and said that there was only one in which they defeated Thanos, right? Again, maybe is that the only way they'd stop Thanos they had to let all of that happen in order for it to, you know, actually come to fruition. Yeah, I similarly to you, I had that question of, so what does this mean for the Avengers and their meddling with the time travel? Right. And as you said, they addressed mm -hmm. that in the show. That was supposed to happen. We get these phrases supposed to happen, meant to be that kind of predestination, uh, predestination that kind of like the timekeepers are analogous to the non-interventionist God, right? The like everything is meant to happen the way it's meant to happen. We're not getting involved unless there is something that veers off from what is quote unquote supposed to happen. Of course, Loki asks that central question, according to whom, right? And it calls mm -hmm. into question, right? Do we believe in the timekeepers? What makes them special? What makes them uh, the authority on what is right and what is wrong and what is meant to happen, right? So I, I wonder to the the extent to which the show is going to call into question the very nature of the timekeepers. So that, I think that's something to kind of keep our eye on. Uh, there were a couple of moments. Oh, and you brought up Doctor Strange. That's an awesome question. I hadn't even considered that. Like, what is the role of Doctor Strange in all this? I was thinking yeah. about Cap. I was thinking about Steve Rogers. And mm -hmm. when Steve Rogers 
is the Steve Rogers who went back to live his life with Peggy at the end of Endgame, is that a variant, right? Or or is right. or yeah. is he or was that meant to happen, right? Like to you know, mm-hmm. it, that's kind of I wonder if they'll they'll address that at all. Um, that's a great point because he in the movies at least we see him old sitting yeah. on the bench saying, "I lived some of that life you were talking about," you know, when he's talking to Falcon. But like that's the thing that kind of does perhaps put the TV show in a precarious position because some plot points were already so established. But I think it is an interesting concept, as you just brought up. He clearly is a variant, right? Or right. is that exactly what's supposed to happen? Right. right? We don't know so yet. That's something that we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Will yeah. they parcel through it? I don't know. But like you said, great things to think about. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, kind of having to work with what's already been laid as the foundation from the plot from Endgame, mm-hmm. we also have connections. Now, I know you haven't seen WandaVision yet. But there is a bit in WandaVision that refers to, uh, this isn't much of a spoiler, Rob, but WandaVision plays with sitcom tropes. And so there are commercials when they they play in that format. And there's a commercial for a product called Nexus. And uh, in this episode, in that scene with the Miss Minutes animated exposition scene, they talk about how when a variant veers off a path, it creates a Nexus event. So I think that that's meant to kind of give that connection with um, something related with, with Wanda. And then also um, they, they mentioned in the video left unchecked, this leads to madness. And of course the upcoming Dr. Strange movie is going to be titled Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. That movie is going to feature Wanda as well. So I think we're starting to kind of see uh, the connections and for what it's worth, the head writer of this Loki series, his name is Michael Waldron. He is also writing the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Ooh, movie. I love that. Yes, oh has written goodness. it already, I am, actually. that I'm chomping at the bit. You know what, Tara? I'm going to tweet at him. We'll get him on the show, too. And we'll, <laughs> we'll sit him down and get these points discussed. That's awesome, though. I'm really yeah. excited for that movie. I am, too. And knowing that there's continuity in in the writing, I think, is going to to make that a, a nice uh, transition. So Absolutely. Rob, I know there are a couple of other moments that stuck uh, that stood out to you as being important or significant or fun in this first episode. I have one more that I really want to talk about as well. For me, I honestly thought the my favorite moment was the Infinity Stones scene, where he's like, "Where's the Tesseract?" and he pulls it out of the drawer. And again, you have a funny moment. They're like, "I'll cut you like a fish." What's a fish? Like we're being introduced into this whole world where like norms are, what are the norms, right? We don't know. And he gets the Tesseract and then he does a double take because he sees a drawer full of these infinity stones. And he literally asks him, are these infinity stones? He's like, oh yeah, we get these quite often. You know, some of the guys have them as paperweights. And it almost like is just such a whiplash moment of you're like, wait a minute, there's multiple which must mean that when there's breakoff universes that perhaps happen, they're happening there. You know, who, what are really the Infinity Stones? Are the timekeepers the real holders of Infinity Stones then mm-hmm. that we haven't even heard of or seen yet? Because if you're just going to banty around saying there's multiple and, you know, you're just basically saying that the entire Marvel's franchise movie could have been happening in many different iterations across many different timelines, right? And we just don't know. So I thought that was just such an incredible kind of like, you're like, wow, you're, you're, that just boggled my mind yeah. to just consider that that's at all on the table. 
And I think that's literally what happens to Loki because then he looks at the screen of the TVA and literally says, is this real power? Right. He kind of has like that awakening, like this must be the greatest power of the universe. So I thought that was just so incredible. And if it's a theme that they play with, I'd be very excited. And even if they don't, I still think it leaves the viewer pondering a lot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That that moment of realization on Loki's face and that question that he asks about power and the fact that it, it, it's a reckoning moment for the audience as well, right? Like, yeah. And, and then the only other scene in terms of identity would be the quick little cut scene of them. It seems like so, like, just to be fun, but where he apparently is D.B. Cooper, who I didn't even know who that was, honestly, until oh, really? the movie. I looked him out after. Yeah, I didn't. I'm going to recommend maybe, some great podcasts about the D.B. Cooper story. It's please, fascinating. Yeah. And, and maybe it's because I'm foreign and that wasn't ever anything my parents brought up to me, frankly. <laughs> but learning about it, I was like, you know, frankly, this is the perfect embodiment of Loki. No one knows who this guy is. Mischievous, never seen again comes in has a big bang and then leaves if you really think about it that like if, if for me once i learned about who this db cooper guy was i was like wow that's actually like his literal identity right it's the perfect embodiment of him um so i just thought that was really an incredible kind of connection and example that they used to exemplify who loki is i thought that was pretty cool yeah i can't agree more it- it's really fun, but as you said, it also really speaks to those bigger ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, for any listeners who, who aren't aware, uh, D.B. Cooper was a unidentified man, an American man who, uh, well, presumably American, I believe, because uh, it, it took place in the Pacific Northwest area, hijacked a plane, stopped at an airport, collected, I think it was $200,000, this was 1971, yep. got some parachutes, jumped out of a plane, nobody ever found him. And uh, I love that they're kind of playing with that. It, it's the same kind of thing where uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer played with um, Rasputin being a vampire. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's always kind of fun uh, when a, a show like mm-hmm. this plays with the possibilities of a real historical figure. Um, so that, that, was, uh, that was a good one. The last scene, you know, we kind of already touched on it, but really pivotal scene in this episode was, of course, when Loki sits down with Mobius. And as you mentioned already, Owen Wilson is a great addition to the MCU, his character. He played the character so well. It was great to see him. He's a wonderful actor. And he and mm-hmm. and Hiddleston obviously um, had great chemistry together. Absolutely. The way he interacted with Loki to me was so, so interesting. I love how he was neither intimidated by him, nor was he condescending to him, right? He, he kind of had like a respect for him. He even says like, I'm a fan, right? But at the same time, he's like, not falling for Loki's shit. Like even like Loki, yeah, whatever yeah. phrase he was saying, he's like, oh, I like it. Slap it on a t-shirt, right? He, he knows what Loki's mm-hmm. going to say. And I love some of the give and take between those two characters. Uh, I'm just, I just want to cite a few of the lines that stood out. When Loki questions why the TVA had never kind of given him a hard time before, uh, Mobius says, you've always lived within your set path. And Loki, of course, resists yep. that, right? I live within whatever path I choose. And he just goes, sure you do. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I just love his, love his, what um, a comment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Calls him. He's like, oh, well, you're just a little pussycat. Right. Like he puts Loki in yeah. his place. And again, just reminds us that this is a new context for Loki. Like couple that with the fact that infinity stones are meaningless here. You know, of course, Loki has that moment at the end where he's like, oh, I can't go back. You know, of course he has that moment of reckoning. You talked a little bit about the song of freedom speech choice breeds shame and uncertainty and regret. There's a fork in every road, yet the wrong path always taken. And when Mobius says, uh, you don't fall into that category, right? Loki is, uh, 
he had seen himself as an exception to that. And I think Mobius just has such a great way of, of, um, putting the tables back on Loki kind of, and, and, uh, encouraging him to see the flaw in his own logic. And he does it in such a subtle way, but also I love when he says it makes you sound smart. And Loki says, I am smart. And he just goes, I know, you know, I, I just, I really, Mm -hmm. really enjoyed all of the, the give and take between them. I think you're spot on with that. I think the chemistry was amazing. I think this is probably the first time. And obviously we don't know what Loki's interactions are with Thanos. If at all, maybe they were none up until that point, even though Thanos is giving him that power, you know, to be the king of uh, Earth. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's doing it through Messenger. But it's obviously the first time for a viewer of the series that he's really being put into his place, you know, uh, intellectually. And also just like you said, he's he's really eating a a slice of humble pie here, you know, that the more he tries to just kind of hit into and uh, really just brag about like the pomp and circumstance of his position as the God. Yeah. The more Mobius is just, like you said, quick wittedly able to put him in his place. Yeah. And I think that's the first time we've ever seen that, which is new and exciting because, you know, you, you, it's, it's a rare day when Loki doesn't have anything to say, you yeah. know? So that was yeah. pretty exciting to see. Yeah. And, and I think to kind of just wrap up those thoughts on, on Loki's reckoning with his own identity in this episode, of course, episodes called a glorious purpose. And we've talked about that line already. He has this idea. He is so confident that his purpose is he is going mm-hmm. to become this king of earth and then of Asgard of all the nine realms. Right. Of course, Mobius taunts him a little bit and goes, Oh yeah, space. How about space? Do you want to be the king of space? Like that kind of thing. Right. And he, um, he, even when he's, uh, Facing the judge, another really great character. I'm excited to see more of her. I love kind of her delivery as just like, again, like she reminded yeah. me of somebody who worked at the DMV. She's like, oh yeah, well, they're busy right now. You know, like, you know, you can't speak to the timekeepers. They're busy. Yep. Um, it's great. But they're busy right now. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, um, yeah, so she was great. Looking forward to seeing more of her. But uh, regardless, right, he, he says to her like, oh, well, you know, the Avengers, obviously they were meddling with the timeline because they were trying to stave off my ascent to being God on earth, right? Like he has the sense, like, this yeah. is my story. Mm-hmm. He says, you ridiculous bureaucrat, Christ, don't get to decide my story, right? And she says, yeah. she says, it was never your story. And then again, later, yeah. Mobius says, you were born to cause pain and suffering and death, also that others can achieve their best versions of themselves. And you see that yeah. iconic clip of the Avengers assembling. To your point earlier, mm-hmm. when he dies a martyr, he dies for Thor. And if not for Thor in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, probably the world wouldn't have been saved, right? Exactly so it's correct. like, yep. he's, this is what your purpose has been, right? You had to do mm-hmm. everything that you did, including all of the awful stuff so that it could get to another place. And it just makes me feel like that that is such a rich thing that a viewer can walk away with uh, just thinking about in their own life. And uh, it, it just... I think is a really, really great tone setter for, for where this series is going to go. Because a lot of, you know, when, even when we talk to people and like you um, are told, you should always make decisions to help yourself develop. Right. And it's like, Loki's getting slapped right now with this realization that it was never about his development. As you said, Tara, he's actually a person that is a stepping stone for everybody else to realize their glorious purpose. Right. And he's a kind of just, you know, just a guy that get bounces around in that role. And 
you're spot on again, kind of this whole TVA experience, judge included, Mobius included, putting him in his place, helping him face this new reality that it's not all about him. His sense of self-importance is again, self-made. It's not mm. actualized or real. It's just in his head. And like you were, like you know, we've, we've mentioned, I think that's perhaps a realization that 2019 Loki finally makes. Right. After many, many movies and many different experiences, but Loki gets that in a 30 minute sit down with Mobius, right? Just by watching his future. So yeah. it is really interesting to think of it in that, in that perspective. Yeah. So I'm curious if you have any questions or predictions going into next week's Oof, episode, going into the rest of the series, if, if not predictions, questions that you might have, things that you hope that they address or that you think they might address, characters that you think we might see or hope to see. Well, I was just going to say, since this is TVA, I would not be surprised if they really try to double down on no other major characters are going to make an appearance. Mm. At least, you know, obviously in Infinity War and then Endgame, for example, you know how there is time hopping. Mm -hmm. I, th I could see that happening, but I don't think there's going to be actual new organic experiences with the Marvel characters. Because again, this is Loki's journey, Loki trying to come to terms with his dark side and again, he's technically in this, we don't really know what to call it yet, but in the TVA, it's in its own world, right? right? So I would not be surprised if they're not involved at all. And I'm actually excited about that, right? I'm excited again, where, what can the writing do with maybe a new lens and a, a new path? And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that's okay, because again, I wouldn't be upset if they did involve other characters. I think they've, like we've discussed numerous times, they've done such an incredible job cultivating this tapestry of characters that if you were to see any of them, you'd be like, Oh my goodness. Yes. I love them. But if not, you're kind of like, okay, this is new. This is, you know, interesting. This is yeah. unique. Just focusing on one character. And as you said, a character that we've always kind of thought of as Thor and Loki, right? Yeah. Never just Loki. And perhaps that's maybe the shift he needs to make now. Yeah. I agree with you completely. I am not uh, longing to see cameos from any of our big name actors right. it could be fun mm -hmm. as you said in some of the time hopping thing if we get some more little inserts like the db cooper moment maybe we get other uh parts of of uh loki's life that maybe maybe you do see thor although i don't think that hemsworth was around for the filming of this because i know he's been filming thor love and thunder oh, who knows i guess that's more recent I, and covid kind of messed up the order things were filmed in so i don't actually know but yeah we might we might see another avenger in, in that capacity but i don't think uh I think this is going to be the show that's all about Loki's impact on things. I want to see other variants of Loki. I yeah. have, I know from the comics that there is quote unquote kid Loki and quote unquote lady Loki yeah. and, uh, you know, older versions yeah. of Loki. And so I think it'd be very, very cool to see those other Loki variants. And that's what I'm excited for. And I'm intrigued by the character of Mobius as well. The side characters here as well. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That you meet through the TVA, uh, the uh, the character whose name is escaping me, but the the one who was threatened to be gutted like a fish, the judge character, yeah. the uh, the hunter. The I, main forget, security. I forget her numbers. Yeah, the yes, hunter, the main security. Yeah. Yes, I think we'll mm -hmm. see more of those characters. They seem to yeah. be a fun ensemble, and you know, Mobius as well. I, I don't 
actually know this character's significance in the comments, but in the comics, but I can't help but think about Mobius Strip, right? And that kind of illusion of of something that is one sided and and kind of forms that infinity loop. And I, I'm really curious about uh, what that character's role is going to be. Yeah, I like you said, it's great to see that their chemistry from the first episode is already electric. You know, Absolutely. it's already great. Yeah. So I think that's going to have to just an incredible just storyline for both of them. Um, and as you were saying, as the TV shows potentially continue to develop and then maybe the movies, you, you'd be, you would not be surprised if the TVA has more relevance, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to be this TV show one and done. I think it's enough of an arc line where, especially with this understanding that there's timekeepers now and that, the time stone might not be the only time stone. Yeah. There could be other holders of the time stone and other, uh, you know, multiverses. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited for the next five weeks of this. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, do you have any other thoughts before we wrap up tonight? No, I think Tara has always did a, a fantastic job. So diligent, you, too, you know, your friend. discussions of agency, the struggle between, Loki always thinking he has agency, but actually trying to make, uh, you know, trying to always cultivate a sense of lack of agency yeah. in the people he's ruling and then learning he never had agency to begin with his stripping of his identity. All, everything we discussed today yeah. was just, was just awesome. And I just can't thank you enough for having me on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you for kicking off this series run of Loki with me. And as we, as we go through the next few weeks and I talk with other people, I'm going to be thinking a lot about the ideas that you and I set up here today. And I'm looking forward to on a personal level chatting with you about this show. And and once you watch the others, I'm excited to hear what you think. And as always, Rob, thank you so much for joining me and, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Yes, you will. You'll see me tomorrow. Thank you again, Tara. Thanks, Rob. If you enjoyed this conversation about episode one of Loki, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Bpender Illustrations on Instagram. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in each week to hear me and my guest of the week, dig into the big ideas of the most recent episode of Loki.